Hello everyone, I am Alex Broom and you are listening to the League One Lowdown podcast. I'm delighted to say you are joined by myself and one of my footballing heroes, one of my favourite players of all time. It is our Welsh left-back, Joe Jacobson. Joe, how are you doing today? Good, thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure, thank you very much for coming on. What have, what have you been up to during these strange times? Obviously not much football to be being played at the minute of the coronavirus. How have you been keeping yourself busy? Um, yeah, just trying to trying to do things to occupy time. It's nice having lions every day. I've, I've, it's a bit weird because I'm sure loads of footballers will tell you like we're told where to be, what time to be, what to eat, you know, what to wear all the time. So when that kind of gets taken away from you, you're a bit like like shit. What do I what do I kind of do? So um, just trying to stay busy. I'm trying to do some studying. I've I've been trying to keep fitness up. Um, been doing a few podcasts, trying to do some stuff around the house. Just, yeah, just, like I said, just trying to keep busy, really, like physically and mentally. What sort of stuff have you been studying? Um, I'm studying to be an IFA, so I've just, um, I've, I've done a couple of exams the last Sorry, what's I'm an IFA, sorry? Uh, financial advisor. Oh, right, okay. So I've, um, there's, there's a few exams I've already done um, and passed and, I've got one at the minute that I'm I'm just ready now to kind of take an exam. I just need to get it, kind of uh, get some time where, you know, I can do it really when they're back uh, available to do. So that's kind of, it's been good for me in that sense. To, it's given me time to do it because normally I get home from training and the last thing I want to do is kind of open a textbook up and start yeah. applying. So um, that, that, for that part, it's been quite nice. Is that something you're looking to go into after you finish playing then, being a financial advisor? Yeah, some along those lines. Yes, I mean it's always kind of interested me from school and stuff. I like numbers, and weirdly, I like maths and things like that. Um, so it was kind of something that I liked. You know, if I could mar that up with football a little bit and try and, you know, whether there's an avenue to kind of help players and things like that, then then that'd be great. Um, and if not, then yeah, it just gives me something that you know, if if at the end of my career I don't want to go into coaching or management, then there's something different that I can kind of start and, and be passionate about. So have you been um, training much in any workouts um, in the last couple of weeks, feeding back to um, Gareth? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, it was, it was weird. At the start, we kind of had a programme and, and the club gave us and there was a few workouts to do. And we obviously didn't know how long this was going to kind of go on for. So you start doing them for a week or two weeks and at the end, you're like, right, I need to change this up a little bit now. And then I spoke to the gaffer a couple of weeks in and said, you know what, maybe tone it down a little bit because we don't know when we're back and we don't want everyone to kind of blow themselves out and then we keep seeing little sniffs of you know what it might start back again soon or it might you know next week or next week or next week keeps getting delayed but I've just kind of kept myself every day well probably four or five times a week I'm going out either running doing workout at home I've started playing a lot of tennis now that we're allowed to do that um and yeah it's nice I've actually I've got a, a personal trainer that I use most summers when during the off season and I've got him the last couple of weeks to do some football sessions with me so it's nice to kind of kick a ball around um with someone rather than try and get my missus to do some volleys in the garden which <laughs> probably do <laughs> well she can stand in the wall for one of your free kicks that's for sure <laughs> right um can we um rewind a bit now to the sort of the start of your career of course, um, Welsh lad, as I've read, growing up in Cardiff, um, signed for um, the Cardiff youth team. How did how did that come about? Were you scouted? Did um, was it a tournament? How did you get into the Cardiff City youth team? First of all, um, I, do you know what? I can't I can't exactly remember 
well, exactly how it happened. I was playing for a local team. I was nine at the time, and I think someone knew someone at Cardiff City and was like, look, this kid's quite good. Yeah, <laughs> go get him in for training or something like that. So I remember going down there. They didn't. Even, they, I was nine, and I knew they didn't have anyone my age or the year older. There was no age group, so it was just under 11. So I started training with those boys who, uh, you know, from nine to 11, there's a big kind of difference in size. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But, it was good. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I obviously did all right because they kept me on there. And yeah, it was, um, it was you know, great for me because I was, you know, I just loved playing football and I got to play for my local team on, you know, a couple of t- nights a week. I was also training a couple of nights a week with Cardiff. I played one of them on a Saturday, one on a Sunday. So I had football coming out of my ears. I was, I was loving it. And yeah, it was um, not something that you kind of, when you're that age, you don't, take it in too much that I'm actually training with a professional club here I was just enjoying it and going along with it and there was never I was speaking to someone the other day and there was never any kind of pressure on me in the youth system to kind of make it there was always players who were better than me or um, players who were kind of looked at as going to be the one to kind of make it so I just kind of chugged along in the background really and and it wasn't until I was probably 18 or 19 where I started you know people taking me se- well not taking me seriously but looking at me properly and thinking he's, he's got a chance here yeah were you um a Cardiff fan as a boy was it you just like you're playing for the club you supported yeah yeah we used to go a lot to the home games especially some away games as well me and my dad and my brother used to go so we um yeah growing up was uh well at the time growing up Cardiff were only in league two or the equivalent to league two so I always had um I was always a Cardiff fan but I was also a Tottenham fan as well which right. kind of got closer together as yeah the, yeah the um, but yeah, I was, I was a big Cardiff fan, especially at that time, more of a Cardiff fan. And um, that was my dream, just to play for the first team. But it, it's weird. When, once you kind of get, even though you're in the youth system at the club, um, even when I got offered a YTS contract at 16, I was still miles away from the first team. Like, you, you couldn't even think about getting into that first team. It was so far uh, away from it. So, so kind of, that was my dream. Like, one game for the first team and... and you know, thankfully that kind of dream came true. Yeah, you say that was your dream. You did make um, an appearance in the Championship for Cardiff against Norwich, I believe. Was that? I think that was at the back end of um, one of the season. You're 18 or 19. Did you feel going into that following sort of like off season, and then the next pre-season, you felt you had a chance of making it into the Cardiff first team, like actually like getting a proper breakthrough? Yeah. Um, first of all, yeah, that that was my goal. I managed to get that, and and still to this day, that's the proudest moment I've ever had in football. Playing, making my debut there at Cardiff um, and yeah you kind of think probably naively a little bit that you know what well, I'm, I'm here now I'm, I'm going to play I'm going to be involved and you know it's, it was the end of the season you know the manager was releasing players so some people weren't playing there was you know couldn't get relegated or promoted so there wasn't a lot to play for on the pitch so that's probably another reason why I gave him my debut but I, I probably went away and thought and probably didn't work as hard as I, I probably should have done and came back and I remember they had a big tour of America and Canada and I wasn't asked to go on a tour and I was kind of a bit pissed off about it and mm-hmm. a bit annoyed and then I was back you know training with the reserves where uh, that's probably was, was my level at the time but because I'd made my debut I was thinking I want to be involved I want to be involved and um that next season I remember the start of the season I played a cup game I think the second game was a cup game and I started that game did really well and yeah I, I just thought again I'd, I'd kind of 
be involved a little bit more, but it was just wasn't to be. And the, the team at the time were flying. They were doing really well in the championship. So I, looking back, I didn't really have any complaints. But then you just, once you get kind of get a little sniff of playing first-team football, you're desperate to kind of do more and more of it, really. Well, you had um, a couple of loan moves to Accrington and Bristol Rovers. And you say you once you get a taste of first-team football, you get the hunger and want to do it more. How did those loan moves impact um, the way you felt about um, playing for Cardiff? Did it sort of make you more hungry to try and get in at Cardiff? Or did you think, you know what, I might not get a chance here for a couple of years. Let's drop down and play regularly for uh, another football league club. Yeah, um, it's difficult because it was still my, my dream to kind of play at Cardiff and the Accrington one I think was was more of I want to go and get games I want to kind of you know I got given the opportunity to go and play some games in the league which you know I was desperate to do so I was really happy about doing that and and when I came back a couple of months later again I thought maybe you know what I played my games now a little bit more not like I played many games I played like seven games it wasn't like I've gone and played 50 games but I um, I thought again that I might be involved. I wasn't with the first team, and then Bristol Rovers loan came about. So I thought, right, I've still got another year or two left on my contract at Cardiff. Go and play for the rest of the season. Come back next season and try and push on. And um, we ended up getting promoted at Bristol Rovers. Um, that into League One from League Two. Yeah, into League One. So um, then they they offered me a contract in the summer or, or approached Cardiff to take me permanently. Um, and at the time, I was thinking. Um, you know, it's only dropping down one division, going to play. I know I'm going to go and play because the manager's told me I was playing the end, of the back end of the season. So, and yeah, like I said, I didn't want to go back to Cardiff. And, and also I, I went back to Cardiff and they kind of said, you know, it's up to Joe. If he wants to go, he can go. And they didn't kind of fight to kind of keep me or they didn't say that we think you can be involved here. Um, and if they said that, I probably would have stayed. But you know, they, they kind of made it easy for me to leave. So uh, that was it. I ended up signing for Bristol Rovers and that was my Cardiff journey kind of over, which is uh, looking back, I kind of wish I, not that I didn't enjoy my time at Bristol and, and played a lot of games, um, but I kind of wish I'd maybe given it another year at Cardiff and tried to break into the first team and, you know, who knows what would happen there. So there was, um, you had time left on your card of contract then. It wasn't a case that your contract was up and you were free to look at other clubs. There was um, a couple of years left to go in your contract, was there? Yeah, yeah. I still had two. I signed a three-year, or two-year plus an option, I think. So I, I did one year and then I still had another year and an option left. Um, so it was up to me if I would have, I could have stayed at, you know, the Cardiff would have been like, fine, great. There wasn't a fee, I think. It was just, you know, if I moved on, then there'd be a percentage of that going come back to Cardiff. But like I said, they didn't, they weren't kind of, um, you know, stopping me from going or, or told me they wanted me to stay and, and try and get in the first team. So it, they kind of made it a little bit easy for me to, to move on, really. Going back to that promotion with Bristol Rovers, I always thought um, at Wembley, Sam Saunders was the most unlucky bloke ever getting injured five seconds into the playoff final. Until I read that you actually missed the playoff final altogether with Bristol Rovers because your loan had expired before that. How 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 was that allowed to happen? Surely that's ridiculously unfair, and the FA could have done something to get you involved for that one last game for a season you've been part of reaching the playoff final and playing in the semi-finals. How how was that allowed to happen? Oh uh, no, well, this is what I say. Sam, like Sean says he's unlucky, but he played five seconds more than I did. That. that. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it was strange. I remember I went there on an emergency loan, and at the time it was just ninety three days, which 
Um, and also, Bristol at the time when I signed were like 15th, 16th in the league. So there wasn't, no one was thinking, oh, what was if we got to the playoff final? It just yeah. wasn't a question that was asked. Um, so I, I knew then coming up towards the play, uh, the, I think towards the play, once we got into the playoffs before the game, someone said, you know what, your loan run, runs out a couple of days before the final. Oh, and that's heartbreaking, isn't it? We were trying to sort something out with the FA, but what happened was we played Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury actually had a goalkeeper on loan from Bristol. Who Bristol said, well, he's not allowed to play against us in the final. So the FA or and Shrewsbury weren't then going to go, all right, well, Joe's allowed to play. Um, yeah. But, uh, it was really weird, really strange. So I played in the two semi-finals, um, and but I stayed training with them even though my loan had finished. I stayed training up until um, finally we trained at Arsenal the day before. I went up with the team coach, stayed in the team hotel with them, went on the coach to the to the stadium and things like that, and sat. Yeah, I was with this, had the suit on. I sat behind the um, behind the dugout with the, with the other players who weren't involved. So. They, they were really good and bring me along, but even then I didn't feel that part of it. If that makes sense, just because yeah. I didn't, I didn't play. I, I, and the manager told me that morning he was like, "Look, if you were allowed to play, you would have played today." Which again, <laughs> probably didn't, didn't help, did it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, like I said, I, di- I didn't go up the steps to get a medal. Um, I, I could have done if I wanted to, but I just thought I didn't. Not that I didn't deserve it, but I didn't. I felt a little bit embarrassed doing it. So um, yeah, so yeah, it's a bit strange. But like I said, I signed permanently um, that summer, and and yeah, it was um, it was good to kind of finally be involved in first team football week in week out, which was um, which was nice. So um, being involved um, regularly for Bristol Rovers, that, um, not having to move too far from Cardiff to Bristol, of course, it's just over the bridge. Did, did that help as well? Like your first like proper season playing week in week out, not really having not not too fast. Not like you've been shipped up to Hartlepool or down to um I don't know like Colchester or something. You, you're just you're just like over the bridge. Did that help? Like potentially any homesickness or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, I had a little spell at Accrington, and that was my first real time of moving away from from home. And as nice as the club was and looked after me, it's not the same, you know, I was 1920 moved away, you know, the other side of the country and different surroundings and, you know, not the same food on the table, not my mum cooking for me and washing my clothes. And, you know, I come from Cardiff where the kits all laid out and um, yeah, you, your boots are all there clean from where you get yeah. in and go to Accrington and they didn't even have kit for me at the time. I was wearing the managers like jumpers and kit. <laughs> he had laying around his house I was wearing for training so it was um, a bit of a shock but the Bristol move was great I, I did actually that um, as soon as I signed I started looking around and I actually bought a flat in Bristol so I wanted to kind of move move there I was traveling a bit it's fine it was like 45 minutes an hour to train in the morning which wasn't too bad um, which is pretty similar to what I actually do now so um, it was uh yeah, but it was nice just being able to, if I wanted to go home one day after training, I can. It was easy, nice for my family to come up, still being able to see friends and stuff back home. So it was kind of the perfect move for me, really. And um, on the pitch as well, it just helped playing week in, week out. You kind of feel part of the club then and feel like you belong belong somewhere. How did um your time at Bristol Rovers come to an end then? Were you, were you um released? Were you, um what sort of, um what, what happened? Or why did you finish there? So the, I, the first season was great. I played loads of games every week and we did really well. And the second season, that summer, actually, I went away with Wales with the national team and, and 
I was in on um, in a couple of squads for games there that summer. So I came back to Bristol flying. Like I was thinking, have a good season. I could get a move. I could, you know, things were really progressing with me. And uh, we went away to Sweden. And I got injured. There was a bit of a bad tackle on me, and I did my medial in in pre-season. So um, it put me out for about three months, and I just couldn't get back in the team. The team were doing all right. We were. I'd come in, play one or two games, come out of the team, get a little niggle. Just nothing kind of went for me that season. And at the end of the season, um, I actually thought I had another year left on my contract um, because of a clause. I played so many games and they demanded, just came to me and said, look, we've looked at the clause and we don't have to give you another year. And that's it. We think it's best that we kind of part ways. So I was a little bit shocked, but it's kind of football and at that time as well, rather than kind of fighting it and, and you know, some players were taken to court or do whatever. Yeah. It, I was just like, right, I want to just go and play football. I'm not happy here anyway, not playing. I just want to go and play. So let's try and find another club. And um, it's probably a lot easier 10 years ago to just get a co- another contract somewhere rather than now where there's so many players every year out of contract. It's really difficult to, to get them. What was it that um, Oldham offered you then that other clubs didn't at that time? Um, I'd spoken to a couple of clubs uh, that summer and um, Oldham had a really good season, season four, and just missed out the playoffs in League One. So I thought this could be like, you know, time to push on. I thought it was a step up actually still from Bristol. I thought Oldham at the time, I thought it was a bigger club. I thought they had more chance of, of doing something good in League One. Um, they had some play- They had one or two players that I knew as well from, from the Wales setup and from fran- friends. So it was just a good move. And, and at the time as well, I was like, I'm, I'm happy to move away, try a new city. And, um, I moved to Manchester and it was great. I loved, loved the place, loved living there. And unfortunately on the pitch, it kind of didn't work out as, as well as I'd hoped for. And it was probably the start of, um, you know, the worst two years, 18 months of my career, really. Why do you think it didn't work out for you on the pitch then? Uh, so I got a little injury in pre-season, one of the pre-season games, um, and they couldn't quite diagnose what was wrong with it. Um, we had a new manager in Dave Penny who signed me there. And he, because I think I was going for scans and not a lot was showing up on the scans, um, I think some uh, manager, because he was under pressure, as weren't doing well, he was you know, saying, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with you. You need to kind of, you know, can you play through it type thing? And I was in, I was in a lot of pain. Like I yeah. lived with my mate who played and, you know, I wasn't sleeping right. I was, it was hurting me to get out of my car to drive. Everything was just a nightmare for me. So um, I ended up trying to play through or I ended up doing some work. I got back, I trained once, I remember, and played the reserve game the next day just to try and get 45 minutes. I, I shouldn't have done. I'd only trained once in two months. And um, I remember getting slaughtered at half time by the coach and being like, what have you done since you've kind of been here, really? You've done nothing. You've given nothing to us. And I was like, oh, I've just been um, injured. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You've asked me to play a game after one training session. I shouldn't have done that. And, you know, now you're hammering me. I've, I'm in agony here still playing. So I was just on the back foot the whole time. I managed to get in the team. I played 10 or 15 games. But I was in, I should never have played any. I was in, I couldn't, as stupid as it sounds, I couldn't kick the ball properly with my left foot, which that's my Yeah, game. yeah, literally. <laughs> So it, it just got to a point where I said to the physio, look, I can't, I can't play. Like I'm in too much pain. Um, again, they, there was something like I was on the bench and I didn't do the run. I spoke to the physio, I was like, look, I can't do the running afterwards. I'm in agony here. He said, yeah, yeah, don't worry, go in. 
next day, I think I got called into the coach's office and he just hammered me, just battered me. Like, again, what, like, you've given nothing, you're not working hard enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And I was like, like I've been playing through this pain for so long and now you're hammering me because, you know, it's got bad or whatever. Um, I ended up having to have two operations that summer to, to sort it out. Um, so that was at the end of, um. so this was at the end of your first year at Oldham and then yeah, the summer into your second year, you had to have the operations, right? Yeah. That summer, I had I had a lot. They sent me down to Leicester. I went to see a guy. Bearing in mind, when I was playing, I was travelling down to Leicester every week for injections, um, getting scans. Not a lot's coming up. Getting injections weren't really helping. In the end, went for an operation. They did a procedure. Didn't do anything. Went back in two weeks later, did another procedure. Kind of worked. Um, and then that summer, the manager left. Paul Dickoff came in. Um, and I really liked him. He, he said... He, from the first day he was like Let, everyone's gonna have a chance you know everyone's got a fresh slate with me and then um a week later five or six of us got called into his office and he's like look i need to cut the budget you five need to kind of find new clubs and move on so i was like right i need to get back fit and um and see what i can do a few started moving on um but they said you know what up until then you're involved and whatever but we'll just try and move on and we got to the first um, game of the season it's like right you six kind of train over there um, you know you're not involved at all you can train with the U team or the reserve team uh, we need you out basically um, so I I was still kind of getting back fit so I ended, we were playing reserve team games and, and trying to get fit we actually played Man United in the reserve team game and it was real Ferdinand was coming back from injury or something a long-term injury so there's a lot of pre- there's like 1500 people there for a reserve game yeah it was nuts like Alex Ferguson was watching and they had like Rio, Wes Brown, Anderson. They had their full team basically of, of all these stars. And I did really well. I scored a goal, did really well. Um, and kind of forced Dickoff to kind of put me back in the squad. So I got back in, I came on for one game um, and I should have been playing, but he was, I went to see him a few times. Like, look, I should be, should be playing for you here. I'm, yeah. I'm the best player in my position that we've got. And he's like, look, I want to play, but I can't play. I've been told I can't play you. Um, so I go and see the kind of people higher up, the chief exec or the chairman at the time. And I say, look, what's going on? Why am I allowed to play? And he, he wouldn't give me an answer. So it, I just knew. Do you, have, um, do you have any um, suspicions what, could, what that could have been down to? No, I just think it was down to um, the they needed to get players out and the cost literally just getting cut in the budget they, they're really struggling off the field financially you don't think it was anything personal then really no because I had a good I really liked Paul Dick still to this day I really liked Dickoff I, I really got on with him I thought he was a good guy and I wish I kind of could have played a lot more for him yeah and I had a good relationship with the chairman we'd speak he's the one who I spoke to a lot when I signed um me um the boy I live with Dean Furman we'd sometimes go out for dinner with the chairman because we kind of knew him on a personal level as well so it was, it was, I couldn't quite work out who was kind of calling the shots with it. The chairman, there was a chief exec. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We had, yeah, it wasn't a nice, nice kind of situation to be in. And that's when Accrington kind of came back in for me and, and you know, gave me a lifeline of playing some games and, and going there for the rest of the season. So at that point in your career, it seems to me you've had a knockback after knockback after knockback. Was it um, hard to stay motivated to, um, keep finding new clubs because you were constantly told that sorry for whatever reason we're gonna have to 
release you or we're looking to ship you on like did that like mentally was that difficult to take uh at the time that was that was a it wasn't a nice kind of um kind of situation to be in especially knowing that I still thought I was good enough I still thought I was I should be playing at, at Oldham I still thought that I was the best player in my position there but it was kind of like out of my control so I was really frustrated that I couldn't kind of do anything about it and, and football wouldn't let me kind of do the talking um so and it was also difficult I lived with um, a good friend of mine Dean Furman who I said before and he was like playing every week he was um he had, he became the captain there so he was like loved and things so I'd see all the adulation that he would get and then I'd come home and it would be like not the same for me really yeah uh, it was it was tough yeah it was it was hard especially I was away from my family um but it was yeah it's just one of those things where I kind of had to either you know deal with it and and push on and, and keep working hard and or kind of move on and and when I said about getting back in the team like we were told we were nowhere near it and I made sure that I trained well every day played well in the reserve games and I ended up forcing my way back in a little bit that's a good attitude to have yeah none of the other like not that the other boys didn't do the same thing but I was the only one out of those six who got and like even trained with the first team after that so um yeah I was I knew that I, I could still do it I wanted to make sure that my injury had kind of completely cleared up I kept getting little niggles and things but um just got to a point where I needed to go and Accrington like I said came along and and offered me the chance to go and play games and I thought I have to kind of play if I carry on here for the rest of the season not playing I'm going to be in a terrible position in the summer and um thankfully I didn't have to you know move or anything like that I could travel from Manchester where I lived and it worked out to be a really good move. So it was an easy choice to go back to Accrington then? Yeah it's, again because the um because John Coleman and Jimmy Bell knew me from before and um, you know I knew their ways of how they work and they're so different to kind of anything I've ever been seen in football before and but that, that works for them and they've been so successful from it we that season we ended up getting in the playoffs and we were trained on a rugby pitch we didn't have goals we didn't have goal right. which was like how bit of a pickle for a football team yeah how can professional football club not have goal posts to train in so we get and the grass was like this long. It was, um, yeah, it was it was different to what I was used to. But because we kind of were doing well on the pitch, no one seemed to kind of care what was it, what was it like during the week and things like that. And um, yeah, it was just a, a, they're just different those guys to how they do it rather than anyone else. And you know, you can have some great fun there and great times there, great laughs, and and also it can be um, quite tough there as well. So what was it like working under John Coleman? From the outside, I've always thought he's fairly similar to Gareth. usually got a tight budget, gets the best out of his team. They're always hardworking. Would you say that was sort of a similar similarities they have between the two? Yeah, personality-wise, yeah. I think um, I think a little bit different is the gaffer does a lot. I mean, John Coleman might change now. I was there, what, 10 years ago now. Um, but at the time, it was just, right, this is what we do. We are this is the way we play, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it doesn't really matter what anyone else does, and that's how they got success, whereas the gaffer at Wickham, he does a lot of work on the opposition about how they play and how to stop them playing as well as what we do. Um, and they're just, like, I've seen John and Jimmy lose it quite a few times in the change room, and they can go mad a bit, whereas the gaffer, I've never really seen him lose it too much, ever really, in six years, so... Um, they've got similarities with, you know, they, they do get the best out of players and, and there's so many players that from both teams who have moved on to 
bigger and better things um and that's testament to them but yeah it was um it was uh, a str- yeah it's completely different to what i'd ever kind of come across really but um look it, it allowed me to go and play football again we were successful and and probably helped me get my next move to shrewsbury which um um without that little loan I, that would never have happened for sure I remember um, I was in the press box at Burton and they had Accrington and uh, you, the press box was right behind the dugouts and then John Coleman was right in the fourth official's ear. You could just hear this scouse voice just getting louder and louder and louder, effing and blinding. It was just quite amusing. So when you said you, um, you could see him lose it, I could definitely imagine him losing it in the changing rooms if someone's made a mistake or something. Um, when, uh, whenever I play against them now and I'm playing down their side, they're always in my ear chirping at me, telling me stuff, talking to me always saying you know nothing to do with football just like random stuff that they go <laughs> on about. and it's it's funny it, it makes you laugh and um they're, they're the same and they always will be so that's a testament to them do you get that sort of thing often um obviously being left back down playing down the wing you're often right in front of the managers did, did that happen a lot sometimes there's there's been times where um if i've known the manager or or the coaches or anything like yeah. that um there was one when we played tramia this season actually um, their assistant manager is Michael Jackson, who was with me at Shrewsbury for yeah. three. And um, and he, uh, there was something we we won the free kick. We actually scored this goal that Alex Samuel scored in the first game. Yeah, the first FA Cup that, game. The FA Cup game. Yeah. Yeah. We had a free kick by the halfway line, and I I got fouled. Someone went to my back and I went down. And Jacko was like, "It's always you, isn't it? Always going <laughs> down, getting free kicks. You've never changed. Like a bit of laugh." And we scored straight from that free kick. So I, t- if, I don't know if you'd ever seen it, but the boys ran off. I just turned to Jack and was like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> and, um, I th- that was the second goal, wasn't it? And I and he said, oh, I turned around and I was like, I also, that free kick, that's exactly what I do as well. So I kind of had a little bit of banter with him then and we spoke afterwards. And um, yeah, sometimes it, it's good. Some, sometimes you'll get people like um, Derek Adams at Plymouth who... Um, you know, if we're trying to wind them up or trying to waste a little bit of time, we can kind of get under their skin. And yeah, he's said some stuff to me in the past, which he probably shouldn't have said, but um, that's not very pleasant stuff, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think he, he threatened to hit me or something or <laughs> something like that was fine when I, uh, I think it was the game okay. when my goal and um, we just kind of tried not not have the ball and play very much that whole game just so we didn't have oh. any shots and we uh, the ball went into their dugout one time and I I asked him to go and get the ball for me and it didn't go down too well and <laughs> uh, I just laughed like what can what can anyone do you just laugh at it and kind of it winds people up a little bit more so um, yeah I've had I've had some good good times and good um, good little slagging matches over the years that's for sure well, as long as you can laugh it off it's all good it's when it gets too personal that's when you wanna draw the line before that but I've always wanted to know what sort of thing was said during that Plymouth game because it was, it was um, such big news that Barry Richardson was in goal and then I think it sort of escaped the end um, do you see the little bit between Gareth and Derek Adams when they're about to shake hands like that sort of has gone a bit unnoticed because of Barry Richardson being in goal so of course there was some stuff said during the game I just always wonder what sort of stuff it was well it was there was not a lot the players never really had anything any banter I mean, they used to play 3-5-2 and their wing back was Kelvin Meller and I'd played against him for years. So we, we always used to get on really well and things would go on and we and him would just stand there like laughing at, you know, if the managers or players having scuffles and things. Um, and then after the game, I remember 
um, I was by the ref. I went to shake hands with the referee in the centre circle, and he grabbed me and just said, "Stay here and talk. Look like you're talking to me," because it started to kick off by the by the dugouts. So he yeah. kind of didn't want to like look to see what was going on or or turn a blind eye to it. But yeah, I, I think it was actually their two of their own players who started fighting with each other rather than anyone from us against anyone from them. I think the gaffer and Derek Adams didn't shake hands and. And the gaffer was not happy about the way Derek Adams was, was saying stuff. But two other, I think it was Ruben Reed and, and McCormack, the goalkeeper, started going at each other. So our players were just in the tunnel, like, go and do, can't do what you want. Like, I'm <laughs> going to go and watch. And that yeah. Was, uh, yeah, I think that was one of the starts of the uh, working Plymouth rivalry, really. Yeah, well, sort of fueled by the playoffs the season before, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so once um, your time at Accrington was ending, um, you joined Shrewsbury, which was, well, it worked out to be a very good move for yourself and um, both the club winning player of the year there. Um, what, how did that move come about? Was, um, were you, um, was, your time, was your contract at Accrington running down? Or Yeah, you... so I ended up signing, um, I signed on loan at Accrington to start with, and then in the January, Alden called me, um, <laughs> And there was a quote from from the assistant. My, my agent called me actually, and, and on deadline day, I was just going to go and sign there to the end of the season in January, and uh, on loan, sorry. And my agent called me and said, "Look, the Accrington, uh, the Oldham chief exec at the time, has just called me and said, tell Joe he's signing there on the permanent. We're going to pay him up, and if he doesn't like it, he can come back and rot in the reserves." Wow, that's so, wow. And and again, being yeah. naive, I was just like, right, just sign it. Like I didn't ask for any more money off Oldham I didn't ask for any more money off Accrington I was just like whatever they offered me I just accepted and did so I just wanted to get it done looking back now I wish I would have played hardball with, with Oldham yeah kind of you know this was me, this was designed for Accrington then yeah so I ended yeah. up so not that it made a difference to me about um it actually financially it, I was better off but because of the way I wasn't bothered about that but the way it kind of came about and the way that they they kind of treated me in the end I was I wish I did kind of not sign there and maybe I could have still gone on loan it, it was at the time where you can still go on loan outside the window um yeah. and kind of you know annoyed them a little bit but uh, it's only in football you know it doesn't always work out how you want it to and things like that and that, and that was fine and and then at the end of the season I Accrington off we got in the playoffs we did really well unfortunately I got sent off in the um in the second leg of the semi-final, um, so I would have missed out on on the final again if, that oh. was, if we'd have got there. But um, yeah, we a few of us did really well, and, and at the time Shrewsbury came in for me. There was a couple of clubs actually. Shrewsbury came in. Um, I was actually on holiday, and they offered me a contract. I was with some friends, and um, I just wanted. I loved my time at Accrington. I thought Shrewsbury were a bigger club. They the bigger fan base, new stadium, better facilities. And I was, I wanted a bit of team then who were, you know, going to have that kind of arrogance about them that wanted to go and win the league or get promoted. And um, a lot of the team that did so well for us at Accrington kind of moved on and it was just right time for me to kind of, you know, go to Shrewsbury. And, and I thought at the time it was a great move and, and it turned out like that. I had a great, great three years there. Well, some great players there. I remember Tom Bradshaw, John Taylor, some real quality players who gone on to play in higher divisions in League Two yeah. since then. What was it um, in that in that season with Shrewsbury? Like, what, what do you think worked so well, like, to get that promotion? Um, 
There's a lot of similarities to, to the Wiccan team that got promoted. We were really close um, off the pitch. When I moved there, there was five or six of us who all moved to the centre of Shrewsbury in town, lived like within walking distance of each other. So we kind of lived out of each other's pockets, really. And um, I think that always helps as in Wickham as well with, with the houses that some of the boys live in together, that it brings you kind of closer off the pitch and which helps on the pitch as well. And we had no egos. It was just we had a good fun as well do you know what I mean there wasn't any like um there was never any bad blood in the dressing room we yeah we just um we just enjoyed it we played some good stuff and and obviously when you start winning games that breeds more of that and more confidence and a better kind of atmosphere everywhere and yeah it was just one of those seasons where everything kind of went for us I think we went unbeaten all season at home which was um pretty special and yeah capped off with um promotion I think second to last game of the season which we all you know that's why I signed there for to, to be at a big club at that level and get promoted experience those feelings which every footballer wants yeah yeah, um, yeah definitely so you then had two years in league one with Shrewsbury and were one supporters player of the year but just before you were released so I'm best I'm imagine that was quite surprising for you like picking up an award then sort of being told to pack your bags how, how did that feel for you Really strange. I I loved my time there. I really, like I loved the, the the town, like lived there, and it was a really nice place. And it was um, it was a bit strange. Like I said, I I got player of the season. I actually personally thought I had a good season. Yeah, we got relegated. We didn't we didn't have a good enough squad. I don't think we signed the right players all season. And um, I thought I actually had a good two years really leading up to that. And um, I thought. My con- I knew my contract was coming to an end and I, I thought I've got a chance here of getting a decent move or they're going to offer me a new contract and either way I, I was happy and the, the manager left at the end of the season or Jack Jackson was the caretaker manager he went back they saw Mickey Mellon took over and that day or the next day I had a phone call from Mike Jackson saying the new manager doesn't fancy you and he's going to release you so I was I was shocked I, mm. I didn't think that was kind of going to come round and Again, I was in a position where I was like, right, I need to find um, find a new club. Uh, I hadn't even really thought about speaking to any other clubs before then. I thought I was, I was probably going to stay at Shrewsbury. And yeah, that was it. Got my agent to kind of speak to a few teams and things like that. But it's difficult because when you, even though I did well and got player of the season, some teams don't want to touch you because you've just been relegated and, and things like that. So um, yeah, I was, and I wanted to move kind of down south way my, my, my now wife was working uh, in Watford at the time so I wanted to kind of move down this direction and um, you know at the time I'll be honest I, the Wiccan move you know they just survived at Torquay um, yeah. the club wasn't in a great state off the pitch so I was it wasn't one that kind of jumped at me to kind of go and sign there um, I spoke to the gaffer in Dobbo um, and they kind of said what they want to do and and where they want to be at and take the club and which was which was interesting and um in the end yeah I, I kind of took the plunge and and did it and um yeah haven't looked back I've loved every minute of it. So um when that move um came about to Wickham I can't imagine that we were the only club interested in you. What was it exactly that um Gareth and Dobbo said that made it so made it that you felt you had to join Wickham because. As you, as you were just saying, like, you, you couldn't really, like, the club wasn't in a great place, like, just stayed up last day of the season, probably in your head a chance of getting relegated that season. What was it that they actually said to you that made you want to sign? 
Well, the gaffer kind of knew me from um, my time at Cardiff because when I was in the youth system, he was there um, in the first team for um, or whether or not he, he did know me, he said he did. I don't know if he did. <laughs> did not. But um, yeah, he they were just the way they talked. They were just kind of normal, normal people. I'd, I'd spoken to a couple of managers who you could tell they just were reading stuff off a piece of paper that about my name and my stats and things. And I was like, you don't really know who I am or anything about me. And I think when I spoke to the Gaffer and Dobbo, they were in the car together. I remember, and they, it was just like a normal conversation, really, like you know, two just humble people, kind of seeing what I'm like as a person rather than anything to do with football and um, I like that about them really like that about them um, again where it was um, the just elite was good for me um, I I actually got offered a contract from Crawley who were in League One at the time but again I didn't feel I'd spoke to I can't remember the manager John Gregory was the manager at the time and I remember speaking to him and Again, didn't feel like he kind of wanted me. It was just they needed to be left back and they looked down, saw available type thing and, and did mm. it that way. So, um, yeah, there was a few a few teams interested. But, um, yeah, and also after coming down to Wickham to have a look at the training ground, that was actually the best setup that I'd ever been in, really. Um, All right. So I was really impressed by the training ground and um you know, it was a base. I'd, I'd been at Oldham where you go to the training, you go to the stadium and then you could be training here, there or anywhere. Um, Accrington, like I said, you, you know, you take your kit home, you wash your boots, wash your kit. Yeah. Rugby field. So when I um, when I went to um, to Wickham and set up, I really liked it and, and could see myself kind of there. And, and that was it. You know, I, I, it wasn't about the money because I, I took a decent drop to kind of go there and... Um, but yeah, it worked out really well in the end, and I'm really, really glad that I did that. Well, um, to start off, um, in the first pre-season you had at Wickham, I had that game against Chelsea in pre-season for Bloomfield's, Matt Bloomfield's testimonial. Is that sort of like playing against those quality players like in the pre-season? Does that give you sort of like a good feeling about playing for Wickham when you're seeing like a decent crowd come down, player of the squad who's been there 10 years getting appreciated like that? Does that sort of give you feel like a good, proper family club that you signed for? Yeah, um, obviously I played there a couple of times before at Adams Park, and um, the stadium was decent, uh, the pitch was nice, and yeah, that that one of the first games playing against Chelsea. We, I remember the first half I played, and we actually did all right. I think it was nil nil or one nil to Chelsea, um, and then they, I think they brought on a few more of their big stars, and and it I think once it finished five nil or something. I think it was five, yeah. Um, but no, the stadium was full. There was a big thing about Blooms. And I didn't really know Blooms at the time. I'd only been there a couple of weeks. So um, I didn't really know too much too much about him. I knew, obviously, he'd been there 10 years. But not, you know, what, what a ledge of a guy he is. And, yeah. and we've been really good friends from it. So, um, yeah, it was just a, a good kind of feel factor around the place. And, and we signed, what happened, I've said this before as well in football, that in the off-seasons, you kind of look at who you sign in and, and, you know, how good can the season possibly get? And we signed a, a few of the other players that were there at the time. I remember Paul Hayes thinking, oh, that's a big name. You know, this club's obviously going to be um, all right this season and, and we're going to yeah. do all right. And once you start start the season, start winning a few games, all of a sudden we were top after five, ten games, whatever it was. People want people now look at you and think oh it's a really tough game going to Wickham we're not just there making up the numbers an easy three points for your position yeah and 
we kind of, you know, grew that arrogance, grew that confidence, ended up signing people like Alfie, Sam Saunders, Nico Yanaris, who were all probably too good for us at the time. But, you know, well, Alfie at the time we were, when the gaffer signed him was, a, was someone who no one really knew about. And then Saunders and, and Nico came in, which if we weren't flying so high, probably wouldn't have been able to get that calibre of players. So it all come kind of hand in hand. And yeah, it was almost almost the perfect season really for all of us but uh, it just wasn't meant to be so um you scored for yourself that season you scored a couple of trademark free kicks i think um not just one of the playoff final but there's that one against Morecambe, which brings to mind which may or may not have taken a slight deflection i'm, I'm not i'm not going to take it away from you um as, as, have you always been a bit of a set piece taker then or did it just sort of grow into your game as you sort of like got um as you developed through your career or was it something you always been good at since you were young um, I'd always take take them when I was younger in the youth teams and things like that and, and scored a couple of goals. And then going into first team football, I went to Bristol Rovers and we had Ricky Lambert, who was on penalties for free kicks. He was unbelievable at them. So I never really got a sniff taking them there. Um, I wasn't on, I trying to think whether I was even on corners or anything like that. I can't really remember. Um, at Shrewsbury, I remember again, we, we had Matt Richards, who was a bit of a free kick specialist. So I was never taking free kicks, corners, penalties. The last season, actually, I was at Shrewsbury, I was on penalties that season, and we didn't get one penalty the whole season. Oh. So I was, that was that was horrible. And then when I went to Wickham at the start, I wasn't on any of the set pieces. I think Max Kretschmar was on a lot of them, and I was just hanging back. And then I can't remember when it was, 10 games into the season, maybe Max didn't play, and I started taking them and taking them, and, and that was kind of it. And ever since then, I've kind of been on them. So... Um, I really, really enjoy it. It gives me, you know, I'm more in the game, more involved in the game a lot. I like obviously going up and, and having a chance of scoring goals. And um, yeah, and then the penalty situation came about with, um, we played, we played Villa, didn't we, yeah. in, the, in the cup. And I think Hazy was the penalty taker, uh, but he wasn't playing. I don't think he was on the bench or wasn't playing. Or I didn't. think he was injured, yeah. Um, and then we had Tom or Gary Thompson, who who scored one earlier on the season and missed one a few weeks later. Not not too... Against long. Cambridge, it was the one he missed. Yeah. And um, so he didn't... No one, we got the penalty against Villa and no one kind of... Want, no one stepped up. We didn't have anyone who was like, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. So I just kind of put my... I was there. I just put myself forward, took it and scored. And then that was it. I, I've just kind of been on them been on them ever since. And the only, the only game since then that we've got a penalty and I didn't take it was... Or there's been a couple actually, but um, at Tottenham when Hazy was on the pitch and he um, he scored the one at Tottenham, so yeah, just kind of yeah stuck with me really, and that's that's kind of how it is. I remember um, thinking in the well, in the penalty shootout at Wembley, um, of course, like a bit of a bit of a um, sad way to end the season, but you weren't in the top five penalty takers, and I remember thinking, hang on a minute, why is he taking penalties now if he wasn't in the top five at Wembley? But I guess it all sort of makes sense after hearing that story. Yeah, but also when after the final whistle, I was getting some treatment for cramp. So I was there with the physio getting little my calves kind of massaged or whatever. And as I got up, I said, I remember seeing to Gaffer, I was like, oh, who's doing like, I'll take one if you want. He's like, oh, the five are done. So I wasn't even asked to kind of. All right. So then we went after it went to five and sudden death. Then I just I was the first one, I think, to kind of step up and and, and took one then. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, all Woody's fault, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we always have it whenever it's like a new title. 
screenshot it and send him a little message and I'm like, thanks, mate. Does it, how does he take it? Does he just like laugh it off? Or? He laughs. He said, he said up until, I don't know if he's watched it since, he said, up until like a year ago, he's like, I've never seen it back, never watched it back or anything like that. And I do, I watch, I watch first 10 minutes of extra time I watch and then I turn it off. Oh, I, I watch up until, um, I think I watch up just until I see Woody taking the ball down towards, that's when I turn it off. Just <laughs> don't want to see the actual moment. But yeah, yeah I think every Wickham fan coming back in from a night out with the boys, just flick it on the TV, just... Yeah. Just nice to yeah. reminisce, isn't it? Um, but anyway, sticking to Wembley, um, how was that finally getting the chance to play there and scoring what was almost um, a fairy tale goal to seal promotion? Uh, look, it's every you speak to any child growing up in the playgrounds at home in the gardens, and they're always going, they're calling their name, saying they're at Wembley in a final or whatever. So to get there has always been a dream. I've, that's the only game I've, I've played at Wembley since then and I'd love to go back again um just to be in in that occasion to um yeah be so close to scoring or getting an assist whatever the goal was um I'll, I'll give it your go I'm, I'm claiming it I'm always claiming it but yeah yeah I don't know how it got taken away but it did but um yeah what, what was I 20 seconds away from being a hero being the match winner and final at Wembley and and stuff like that but it just wasn't wasn't to be and it was a, a strange feeling at the end of the game because as, as gutted as we were there was there was never any pressure on us to kind of do anything that season um it was always kept to 55 points and then see where we go and i think we got to 55 points in like january time what do we kind of do now what do we want to achieve yeah. um and probably for the club speaking to uh, andrew howard at the time chairman he was probably saying it was a good thing that we didn't go up and and probably yeah allowed us to be more secure so ideally it was it was the best thing to happen for the club losing in the playoff final um as players you don't quite see it like that at the time but football kind of goes around and and things get forgotten about quite quickly and whenever I've had promotions you go back to pre-season a month later yeah everyone's buzzing at the start but as soon as the game start it's a new season different and you know you're back to back to normal again no one can't you can't rest on anything because you've had been promoted and it's the same when you lose in that playoff final I think we actually started next season really well and we're top of the league after 10 games and, and kind of filtered away with the cup runs and things like that so um yeah it was um obviously it was not a nice not a nice feeling that couple of minutes afterwards but it was one of those things where um that I'd suffered relegation um like a year before that so um, the relegation, trust me, was a lot worse to take than uh, than losing in the playoff final. Feels like you can see my notes. You're literally just going through all the questions I'm about to ask you. Um, but anyway, now you said that I was about to ask, how does that relegation compare to losing the playoff final? Was it was it tougher to take then? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the initial the initial in moment of the the playoff final was horrible. Um, I think the worst bit was when. Um, when the South End goal went in, that was probably worse than actually Woody missing the penalty. Um, but the the relegation that was just a long, horrible slog. I think for for a good couple of months, we knew we were doomed, and um, it was just you're going in every week, you're thinking it's going to be really tough to win a game. It just it was just not a nice environment to kind of be a part of, and um, you kind of the, the final, the the playoff final, you know. Even though you've lost the game, you've still done incredibly well to get there. Yeah, so no one yeah. ever have to vote you for that. Whereas the relegation was kind of 
that it was your work for a whole year that's kind of accumulated to to get to that point and yeah it wasn't a nice kind of um nice feeling to have and even though we kind of knew it was going to be going to be that way it was um yeah, you feel like you've, you've let a lot of people down really not just players and, and the fans but the town and things like that and um yeah you never kind of want a relegation on your cv unfortunately i've got one and, and hope that i'll never get another one so well after that after player final Wembley as you said we started the season really well we were um I think top um, at the start of October and then the goals started to dry up but per, like for the defence I think we conceded the second fewest amount of goals in the league which is obviously excellent and yourself and Big Aaron Pierre were voted into the PFA team of the year for League Two. How, how did that feel knowing that like as a team perhaps like we didn't do as well as what we could have done but on a personal note yourself getting into the team of the year were you what was that what was that sort of like? Yeah we Again, there wasn't any pressure on us to kind of do anything that season. It wasn't like, right, because we've got to the playoff final, we need to go one better. I think the, the club came out and said <clears throat> sorry, that, um, you know, we just want to improve, uh, get to the points tally that we've set out. 61 points, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, 61 points. Um, but yeah, to be voted in, uh, and we kind of drifted a little bit, I think, for the first couple of years at Wickham, our squad wasn't big enough or strong enough. And we were having, you know, younger players who probably shouldn't have been near the squad on the bench or playing yeah. and times not filling the bench and the gaffer being on the bench and um so i can understand how we kind of um drifted away a little bit um towards the end um but personally to to be voted in i'd always that was one of my things i've always wanted to do is get in that PFA team of the year and at the time i didn't i didn't think i'd had that great season that um I should have been in it. I didn't wasn't really thinking it. The first year, I thought I, I may have had a chance of getting in at the year we lost in the playoff final. Um, I can't actually remember who. Ben who Coker got in, got in the South End. Yeah, he was a very good player. Um, and I've missed out to play like Ender Stevens got in it one year and things like that. So there's been some very good players who've kind of gotten ahead of me. And um, but yeah, it was a, it was awesome. I, I remember going to the. The PFA Awards. I took my brother with me, who, who lived in London. We had a great night, um, and a couple of friends actually came as well. And and they were just going around, just getting pictures with everyone. They're football fans. They <laughs> just starstruck. Like, yeah, they were seeing like Chris Coleman and things like that, just walking around. Stormzy was there, and um, <laughs> Stormzy was there. <laughs> my, yeah, I remember looking recently. I was seeing a photo of my brother and Stormzy, and I was like, <laughs> What's he doing at the PFA? Yes. Yeah, so um, I know I don't know. Yeah, he wasn't performing. I can't remember why he was there, but it was just it was really good, really good night. And, um, something that yeah, I'll, I'll always kind of cherish having that. And um, yeah, I've always always kind of wanted it. I'd love to. I don't know if they'll do it this year. I'd love. I thought I might have been in with a sniff of getting involved this season. But I think I you were nailed on for this season, personally. Well, I don't. I, you never kind of know with with how players vote and. And what they see and things like that and um yeah i'd like to think i kind of got a chance but i don't know if that will happen now or anything like that i've been voted into a couple of different you know journalist teams and and things like that so far which is, has been really nice thank you <laughs> <laughs> and also the um the fifa the ea sports fifa team of the year which is awesome as well because i managed to get one of those big cards with my picture on have you got it on you can have a look I've 
Here it is. Oh, cool. That's quality, <laughs> that. Have you, got it, have you got it framed anywhere, or is it just... Um, no, it's just... About? Uh, they sent it to me, and, and I said to my missus, right, that's that's going above our bed. You know, we're just going to have it. And she was like, no <laughs> chance. But honestly, I've got, like, um, I've got, like, my match ball. I've got a couple of other uh, trophies, like the Player of the Month trophy from earlier in the season. They're just in a cupboard somewhere. She doesn't want any of it out, out in the house, but hopefully... Is she, not in, is she not into football massively herself, then? No, nothing. She's probably been to... She she probably averages one game a season she comes to, and that's only if some friends can come and she thinks she can get a meal out of it or something. So <laughs> is, it, uh, is it anything superstitious that she always win when she do you always win when she comes? No, not no, not at all. Um, she came to the playoff final. She went to Tottenham, but she was also at the oh. middle game. There was nothing. She just she works really hard. She works long hours during the week. She got a stressful job. Um, so. She kind of says, oh, why do I want to waste my Saturday watching you <laughs> my own thing, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fine. My my um, my dad travels up a lot from Cardiff to kind of come see me, and my mum comes up when she can. So um, it's nice to kind of, you know, get a couple of those following me. And, yeah, that's kind of none um, of that, really. So um, after that 15-16 season when you've been in the team of the year, um, the next season probably most famously known for Akinfen was first season and Tottenham, the Tottenham game. Do you think um, Akinfen would join and help bring out the best in your game, having that big focal point to aim your crosses into? Oh, 100%. He's he's made me look a lot better player in the last three or four years, however long he's been there. Um, it, you know, for me in my game, all I've got to do is play a diagonal onto his chest or cross the ball in an area. Don't even have to kind of look for him. I know where he's going to be. And you know, we had that one. Was it the first season we were there? And, and I was. I think there was five or six where it was just exactly the same cross yeah. into his head. And they weren't even easy chances for him. He was like heading the ball in from 10, 12 yards. And I've never seen anyone head the ball like him before. Like not just to get his head on it but the power he gets and the accuracy is, is incredible and um yeah he's been such an influential kind of member of our squad the last four years and he's put bums on seats he's got the Wickham kind of name and brand um out there a lot more than it would have been um and he's performed on the pitch you know non-stop and and we wouldn't be in the position we were in if it wasn't for him so for me personally he's helped he's helped my game massively and, and made it a lot easier for me to kind of clear long balls or or just trying to hit an area where he is and I know he's going to outstrength the opposition and bring it down which is great. I think um the best um testament to the manager with Akin to Ainsworth and with Akin Fenwa is um that when he does go off to do his um branding in the USA for the Super Bowl or something I think it shows such great um what's the word um such shows such great man management skills from Ainsworth that he's got a group of players who don't let their heads drop when they see someone else go out and sort of miss a game sort of like for other work wise that so you all stay down get you're still motivated you don't feel as if like oh he's out here why should I try and I think that just shows like what a great attitude and togetherness like the team has would you say yeah and and we spoke about it before with the gaffer especially a few of the older boys and and look Bayo is, is Bayo he's he's you know during the week as well, on Monday and Tuesday, he's not outside with us training, even when he's in the club. You know, he does his own thing in the gym. He doesn't need to be outside running about with us. So you you have to kind of treat him differently to, to other players. And it's the same with Darius. Darius doesn't train, you know, as much as anyone else. But as long as they kind of perform on the pitch, 
then everyone's happy. No one will ever question anything. And and they both have been performing non-stop on the pitch. So how can you ever say that, you know, Legata's doing it wrong or, or Bale's doing it wrong when, you know, consistently they, you know, Bale won player of the season twice, been a top goal scorer every season since he's been there. So, you know, they're, they're doing something right. And, and like I said about the gaffer kind of creating this culture that we have where, um, you know, we just want to work hard. It, when I first, well, every other club I've been at, um, you know, you, you have to be in at 10 o'clock. The players get in at 10 to 10, you know, you just go out and train. Whereas at Wickham, you're in at 10. If you if you get in at 9 o'clock in the morning, you feel like you're late because everyone's in there doing their work. They're already training. They're already doing their exercises they need to do to get ready for training. So that kind of culture that, that the Gaffer and Dobber have created over the years is, is, is such a great one to be involved in. And it just kind of shows how they get the best out of everyone because they want it to be a cool thing to go in and work and stay extra and do more work. And um, and even going back to Bayo and Darius, where they might, might not be out on the training pitch, but Bayo is in the gym for hours doing his work. He's never just sitting there doing nothing. He's always doing his own stuff. Darius the same. He's got a lot of stuff he needs to work on his hips and he sits there for hours sometimes on his own just doing the smallest little boring movements and and we back we take the piss out of him a lot for for just sitting there in the, the mirror we, we've got like a little space for him but you know <laughs> if he performs on the on the pitch on a saturday then then do whatever you want during the week because that's that's where it kind of matters and yeah we've got no one who looks you know ever asked for anything because Bayo has this and well it's not just Bayo. there's there's players who have extra days off here and there where they need to you know if their workload's been a lot or they've got stuff going on the gaffer is always the first to say come speak to me you know you can you can have a day it doesn't doesn't matter I prefer he's always one to make sure that if you're happy in your life outside of training then you're going to be happy there and, and that's when you're going to perform the best so um again another thing with the gaffer is <clears throat> he's never so high after a win or so low after a defeat that I've had some managers where you lose on the Saturday and they're like right you're in tomorrow morning you're you know battering us with a video or or you win you've got three days off and you kind of don't know where you are and you never plan anything whereas here the gaffer you know whatever happens on the Saturday you've got your Sundays off we'll come in Monday we'll dissect it win lose or draw we'll have a look at what happened what went wrong what went right and that's it it's done move on from that then and you know, you could lose five nil and walk into the training ground on the on the Monday morning. The gaffer's music's blaring. He's like screaming at everyone, and saying hello to it. And you're like, how can you not be kind of and kind of infected by his attitude and and want to be like that as well? So yeah, it's an incredible place to be at, and one that I've never seen, and and one that we have all these players who keep coming back to us, like Fred's and and Jason and. Um, a couple more that have come back where yeah. this is where they perform their best. They've been at bigger clubs, they've, they've got big moves, but they know that at Wickham they perform their best because there's no pressure. They just want you to enjoy it, be humble, be happy here, and, and that's it. Yeah, it's, um, I think, honestly, that I don't think Ainsworth gets enough credit for his man management skills. Was I think I, I think it was you actually gave an interview. I'm not sure who, I think it might have been, might have been the son of you giving an interview the son in the last couple of years. I so, it, you, you said something along the lines of, um, it's impossible not to feel motivated under Ainsworth. You have to want, you always want to run through walls for him. And I think that's absolutely massive in why the squad's been so successful in um, the last few seasons. Do you, because obviously you joined just after um, we stayed up at Torquay. Do you think you've seen um, Gareth sort of like grow as a manager in the time you've been at the club? Yeah, I think that 
you know, that first day I think I signed or the first training session we were in, I think he called a meeting and was like, um, look, I, I did, well, obviously I didn't know him any differently, but he was like, for the ones who were there, I'm Gaffer now. I'm not Gaz. I'm not Gareth. You know, I want to be your Gaffer. And I think from that moment on, he changed and, and got a different kind of respect from the players that were there. And um, I've seen him, I've seen him, he's still the same infectious, you know, he's how he is on the touchlines never changed. He's still heading every ball and kicking every ball or whatever. And yeah. On the training pitch, right? I think he's just his little attention to details keeps growing and growing and growing, and um, little things, little tweaks that he does to formations, and you know everyone knows of a four four two or four three three, whatever it is. But there's ways to adapt them, and he's brought a lot more of that into his game, into his management. I feel the last year or two, with yeah, airing differently is and that- set differently, and. Um, I'm sure you've all heard of the inverted trapeze. Honestly, you are literally just going through these, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but little things like that where, you know, they're different to us, but but he just comes out with these things. He's like, I think I've got a plan of how to do this. And you could tell that he's he's definitely thinking a lot more or or trying to do things a lot more. And and you kind of have to, the higher up you go, you have to kind of do more and more work on on tactics and, and opposition and things like that. And um, but not just him, having Dobbo behind him, who's incredibly intelligent, looks after a lot of the mental side of it. And, um, you know, we do a lot of sessions with, um, um, what do they call it now? Um, the, like development days we do. I don't know if you've heard of these where, you know, we could go out off site and do something for the day rather than train or we'd get in and get like a motivational speaker or someone who's climbed Everest or someone from who you know was in the New Zealand Maori like that, the hacker sort of thing yeah, the hacker. yeah. And, and, this, and it gives you a whole different light on kind of um you know teamwork and and how to be as a human and not just about football it can get a bit monotonous when just drilling in tactics 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 and football all the time so you kind of need that break and they they have that balance really well at the club and um you know I'm, I'm sure as well I don't know if you write this down when they talk about the generals at Wickham and um <laughs> sorry <laughs> and and what they do and and just little things like that they they've kind of grown and um and I'm sure a lot of other teams now will have kind of this kind of thing in like in place because of what the Gaffer and Dobber have created at Wickham so move, talking about the, the generals then like it's as you just said it's quite a unique sort of setup in, in a sense like I'd perhaps say sort of like having five captains like around the dressing room to sort of link between like the rest of the squad and the manager. Is that sort of how it works? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, Blooms is obviously the, the captain and and anything that needs properly sorting out, you know, like admin work and stuff like that, we we let Blooms deal with that. We don't want to deal with all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. anyway, like hits and, and travel and things like that. So he, he deals with all that. But whenever there's... Um, um, stuff going on players you know not not just football stuff if players are, are unhappy or they're they're with their private life or if they've got problems going on or even if it's something good like if one of the boys wants to buy a house or things like that they can come and speak to us and you know we've got the experience to kind of help them and and guide them in those ways as well and and if they do have problems with with not playing or or what they need to do to get in the team then they can come to us rather than speak to the gaffer and and, you know, because we've, we've all been there. We all know how it feels like to be left out or to not feel wanted or anything like that. So um, it's great for also that we're all kind of different characters. You know, I'm different to Bayo, to Blooms, to Dom, to Darius. We're all kind of got our different backgrounds and different stories. And, and 
there's always you know one of us will be able to answer your question however that is and and if the gaffer can kind of stop it from going to him then then you know his job's done by by having us there and, yeah you know we meet up once a month with Dobbo the, the five of us and we'll go through what we can do to not just if any of the players first of all if any of the players have got any problems or issues and, and how they're doing and, and some might be going through bad spells and we'll just you know keep an eye on them but also what we can do to improve the culture make sure that no one's kind of sitting on their laurels we're always trying to come up with new ideas to do around the training ground like the last one we we came up with I think January time was um we've now got a board and it's like movies and books that we've watched or podcasts we've listened to that um that kind of have a good impact on on how we are as people um how they're going to help us kind of motivate you or, or yeah and better humans so just little things like that they kind of you know have a, an extra thing sometimes if you've got just a manager and then a captain um you know there isn't that much scope to kind of go and talk to people but um yeah it's a nice kind of culture to have an environment to be in that you can everyone's so open and honest and you know there's there's been players that have cried to each other and things like that the training ground which you know doesn't happen very often and it's um in a way it's really nice to see yeah no definitely i think it's it's such like a unique model which obviously works really well and i think as you say, with players like Jason and Fred coming back, like Sam Saunders came back, I think when players do leave, they sort of like, I don't know, but I'm not speaking for experience, of course, perhaps sort of take it for granted what how good it is at Wickham and then think, like, obviously, might be playing for a bigger club in front of more fans in the higher league, but you're not getting treated the same way as you are under Ainsworth. There's such a pulling factor to be able to bring these quality players back. And then, of course, they perform better on the field for us when they're happy, like in their private life. So it's just like a big recipe for success, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think when Jace went, um, I think he when he when he first went to Millwall, I think he, he spoke to one or two of us and, and Dobbo and was like, it's not it's just not the same. It's not the same kind of culture and and, and things. And even um, we got when we had Bryn Morris on loan last season, um, and he got the move to Portsmouth. Um, he was just like, it's different. He's like, I'm going in early, expecting everyone to be there and and start to get on with each other and talk. He said, no one gets in till quarter to ten. And I was like, he's like. I'm, people are looking at me thinking I'm busy, I'm doing too much, I'm, and they're looking down on it. Whereas at us, he's like, that's how it should be, and that's how you want yeah. it to be. So it's it's difficult, yeah, because it's a, you know if you've got an opportunity to move to a, a bigger club or a better division club, then you you kind of have to take it. But at the same time, what you get at Wickham is kind of unique, and and you don't kind of get that everywhere else. And you know, I, I can't imagine there's been anyone who's been at the club on loan or, or signed who's kind of left and, and had any bad word to say about us or the way the club is or, or the boys or the culture or anything like that. So, you know, it's a it's a proud thing to be a part of that. And, and you know, that can only go um, give thanks from the gaffer and, and Dobbo to creating that. So with all this, are you surprised? I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I'm asking Are you surprised to see Gareth's name linked to so many jobs at bigger clubs all the time then? No, not at all. And you see, in, you see a lot of managers in Leeds 1 and 2 get moves to bigger clubs and, and, and do all that. And, and I know the Gaffer's had a few um, few offers here and there. He, um, he, there was obviously a lot of things in the press this season about Sunderland and Millwall. I think it's been Barnsley before that as well and and yeah it's 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 rightly so that he does that he's done not just that he's he's done amazingly off the pitch going from well in the six years I've been there going from finishing 22nd or whatever it was in the two to 
being top of League One within six years is is incredible. And um, and just the good word that all the players who have ever worked with him have to say about him. You look at I think um, Ed Ebrucheze did a, an interview recently on I think for Sky or someone I saw, and he was like the best yeah. thing I ever was going to whip him. Um, for my career and look at him now he's going to be a 20 30 million pound player already yeah so, um it doesn't surprise me whatsoever i think people know about his man management skills the culture he's created what his players will do for him and what he can kind of achieve with a small budget and yeah it's no surprise that that all these teams have been linked with him and and i know for a fact that he's turned down a lot of these clubs to kind of stay at wickham because you know, he's he's onto a great thing here. And, and he said as well, you know, it's not just about getting a bigger club or being on more money. You've got to be happy with life. And, and I think he, he's in a really good position at Wickham where, you know, the owners love him, the players love him, the fans love him. You know, to turn that down and throw that away, it's um, a better be for some job, that's for sure. Yeah, if I could tie him down to the place forever, I would. How is it, how is it as a player or... When you're seeing um, Gareth's name being linked and you, and he walks into training the next day, like, did you mention anything to him? Like, do you say it's only truth in this boss, or do you just sort of like sweep it under the carpet? Um, he actually pulled um, a couple of us in. Uh, I think the generals in. Um, I think it's this season or last season. I can't think when it was. And said, look, there's been a lot of speculation about it. They've asked me to go for. It might have been this season. They've asked me to go for an interview. Which um, club was this at? I can't think Sunderland maybe it might have been Sunderland one yeah um I think they're really keen I'm not sure whether he went I can't, can't remember how it went. I don't know if he went for the interview or spoke to them or, or something um and was like look I'm just letting you know like I'm here I, I want to stay um and that was that was kind of it so I think a couple of seasons ago when there was big links to Barnsley um I remember speaking to Matt Bloomfield in the summer and going like we don't want him to go like really don't want him to go like yeah. if I was a gaffer I'd, I'd I'd go like you have me turn down a club like that, but um, we're happy that you stayed. And and of course, like you, you 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 hear the the rumours and things like that. I remember being at um, Accrington when John Coleman was getting linked to teams, and he was saying, "I'm off, I'm gone." He's like, you know, <laughs> I'm 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 going, and then didn't get the job. So it kind of comes back and looks a bit, a bit yeah, sick. but um. I think the gaffers, you know, handled all all things like that really well in the press and never gives, you know, too much away or anything like that. He's he's very um, he's very well media trained. I think the gaffer to kind of give anything up. So um, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if again this summer, you know, if there's any managerial changes that that teams come in for him and. And you know who would begrudge him moving on, but at the same time we'd all be we'd all be gutted as players, fans, you know, involved in the club. And I think there's something special going on at the club at the minute with the new guys coming in. With you Robert. don't leave it, you have got to stay and yeah. be part of it. I think I think at the minute the kind of sky's the limit, and and what they want to do with the club um, is so exciting. And and you know I don't think the gaffer wants to kind of leave that journey just yet. So the biggest um, Senate important names of CV is definitely that promotion out of League Two um, a couple of years ago. Would you say that's one of your favourite seasons in your career? Yeah, yeah. I think all my, well, all my, my, my two full seasons of promotion um, have been my favourite. My, my year at Shrewsbury where we got promoted was, was incredible, both on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, and really similar at Wickham where, um, you know, I love that that season where we went up it was just we had such a great bunch of players um 
we brought in a few older players like like Maka, like Nathan Tyson, um, and yeah, it was just one of those and Adam obviously, and it's just one of those seasons where we just we just kind of motored through. We were never the favourites. We were never kind of the team that everyone was looking at to get promotion, and we just went about our business and we were just solid the whole season. And it was just um, yeah, that that day at Chesterfield was was incredible. The journey back seeing the fans at the stadium afterwards, going out in Marlow in our tracksuits and, <laughs> and the, the promotion party in, in Marbella a few weeks later was, um, yeah, it was, it was one of the best kind of months in football that I've ever had for sure. So after that and beginning of the next season in League One, a lot of the teams stayed together. Did that like feeling and like riding the wave of promotion, did that stick with, because obviously I had such a great start in League One the season after, that sort of like stick together and was that a reason for why we were we did so well in League One up, up until Christmas of the last season? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, because you kind of have, once you get promoted, you kind of have that no fear and, and to try and take that momentum. And again, I think it was just um, the, the club had to kind of, you know, there was, there was big things about the finances. And I think the club had to kind of, couldn't keep hold of a few players that we had on loan. Um, Bryn being one, I can't think who. Fred and Randall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we had these players who kind of, were big players for us in the first half of the season and we couldn't keep hold of them and whether or not the club thought they might be safe and we'll be all right and it's and it's fine it's, I don't know but um you just kind of um yeah you're glad that everyone kind of stuck together that big core group because I've done it before where where teams have kind of changed a whole lot and it's hard to kind of get that momentum going with your team and we just know what each other's like and also with Wickham now if you change too many players then it's a it might have an impact on the culture that we've created. So I don't think the gaffer would ever, while he's there, want to change too many players. Um, but yeah, who knows with that? But um, yeah, it was, it was nice to kind of see that you can, the players that you enjoyed the promotion with, you can kind of enjoy the next season with and, and work with them. And, and it all means the same to each other rather than new players coming in who've just riding on the top of the wave that we had the year before. Did you feel a big step up from playing against the League Two wingers to the League One wingers during that time? Um, not not massively. I, I, there's there's I think a, a step up the top six clubs. I'd say I say the rest are pretty similar. Um, there's there's a few teams at the bottom of League Two who are quite poor, and then I think you know mid table League Two to mid table League One. There's not a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, momentum and, and seasons. You know, if you're top of the league, can 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 help a lot, but. I think the actual quality, when you look at it, isn't that much different. I think that there's teams like Sunderland and Ipswich who have come down from the Championship with big name players. You know, McGeady last year and things like that. Who was when he wanted to and when he could be bothered, he was unbelievable and, and turned it off. Yeah, ridiculous. And um, you get players like Ivan Tony this season at Peterborough, who who's far too good for this league and this level. Um, but you kind of just adapt with it yourself. Your game kind of changes with it and you become kind of in line with them, really. And, and all of a sudden now, you, you know, I now feel like a like a good League One defender um, rather than a new player coming in and trying to test myself. So, um, you know, yeah, you kind of just grow with it. And you could stick most players in championship teams or or even Premier League teams, and I don't think to, you know, I don't think there'd be that many that look would look that out of place, you know, if you had a, a six months training with them and playing with them. So, um, so a lot of luck of where you kind of have your career, I think. 
Yeah, uh, I saw um, like Newcastle went and spent 40 million quid on Joe Linton, a new striker, and they let Ivan Tony go to Peterborough. And I was thinking, you're spending 40 million quid in this like sort of like unproven Brazilian, and you've got a young, hungry Englishman desperate to prove himself. Like it's a bit of a waste of money. And see how good um, Ivan's doing now for Peterborough. Perhaps like they could have saved a bit of cash and maybe even had a better striker. Who knows? But it's all the ifs and buts, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I, I just think it's it's not cool, is it, in the Premier League to to bring a young player in and not spend 40 million. The fans are desperate for you to spend money. They want, obviously, young homegrown players to play, but they also want, you know, your club to look ambitious by spending money. It doesn't yeah. matter how that money is. Um, but like I said, there's there's players that are good enough. There's players that are good enough in the lower levels to go and play in the Premier League. They just have to be given a chance. And and it's, it's tough because if you're a Premier League manager as well, you know, if you've got a chance to play a young, unproven striker or try and sign a striker, you've got 40 million to spend. You're, as the manager, you're not going to turn that down. You know, you could be out of the job within six weeks. So why would you, you know, risk a young player who might take him a couple of games yeah. trying to get in the swing of things? So I can understand why they do it, but I don't think there's that big a... Obviously, the top players in the Premier League are, are ridiculous and, and that's where they should be. But there's a lot of players out there who, um, who are good enough to play at any level, really. Um, and with training and playing in those environments, I think they could easily do it. But it's just, it's just getting there and and you kind of become a player in your division, really, or your league one and two, or two in the champ, or one in the champ, or championship Premier League. You kind of, you know, stay in your kind of zone for for long periods of your career. Um, and that's no fault of your own. It's just a bit of luck and and where you happen to be. Who would you say from this current Wigan squad? Then would you say it's most likely to play in the Premier League? Um, who would I say? Um, I would say Fred. Fred's got a big, a big future, and I, and I don't know how Mill will keep letting him go, or he did let him go so many times to us. Um, for me, playing Millwall, he's he's got everything, absolutely everything, Fred, and um, I hope he kind of stays fit and. If he does, then it'd be very hard for Wickham to kind of keep hold of him for that long because he's got, he can score goals, he can run all day, he's quick, he's powerful, he's as strong as an ox, good feet, technically good, he's he can win headers, he tracks when playing with him, it's, it's a dream because he tracks back so much and the amount of makes your job back, easier. Yeah, he he gives the winger, he gives the fullback ten yards, gets back, shrugs them out the way, and takes the <laughs> ball back the other way, and they foul him. It happens so often and. I think, you know, he's been unfortunate this season with injuries. I think if we'd have kept him fit the whole time this season, we, we might have been in, a, in an even stronger position than we are in. I think he's that good. So I think Fred Fred could, um, Fred could have big feet. But we've got a few players who, who could easily play a lot higher and, and a lot of the younger boys. Well, I appreciate we've been going for quite a while and I don't want to keep you too long, but I'm really enjoying this. I could probably go all day. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more things I want to touch on before we wrap up. Um, yeah. So this season, obviously, probably beyond, well, definitely beyond my wildest dreams. I'm sure probably a little bit better than what you all the players are expecting as well. How how good has it been? Obviously, personally for yourself, scoring a hat-trick and for the team, leading the division for so long. Like, just what a season, really. Couldn't really have gone much better, really, could it? Yeah, and, and like I said before about, um, you kind of, if you start the season well, you kind of become that one of the top teams. So all of a sudden, after five, ten games of the season, everyone's looking at Wickham going, oh, it's going to be a really tough game now. They're up there. They're up there for a reason. Yeah. They must be good. If we can go there and get a point, then it's a great result. Whereas last season, they probably think, right, we're going to Wickham. We'll get three points. 
and they'll change their mentality in the way they set up against us. So all of a sudden, you've now got an advantage going into every game. And I think that's just, we just rode on that momentum. And, and we we signed a lot of good players this summer. I think um, we kept signing the player and the player. And, and all of a sudden, you're going, oh, we, you know what? We've, our struggles get stronger, yeah. getting stronger and stronger. We're signing these players who have played higher and, and could get better clubs. And all of a sudden, you start looking around going, wow, you know, we click here we're, we're going to be all right and there was never any any targets put in place or anything like that but once you start on this role you kind of you kind of just go with it and um yeah it stayed along for longer and longer and it's been incredible and now looking you know looking at the season now being in eight i know we're in eighth place but we still thinking that we could get automatics definitely um and there's no one in the league we look at and we think well, they're miles better than us. Yeah, Coventry are a very good team, the best team we've played. But apart from that, there's no one who I think, wow, that's going to be, we've got no chance of winning that. Whereas previously years in League One and even League Two, you look at the bigger clubs and think, well, if you can go to Rotherham and get a point, that's a great result, or Peterborough or Portsmouth. But now we're beating these teams. Yeah. Um, and that's the levels we're at, we're up to now. And, and that's credit to us. And yeah, we it's it's a weird, you know, time has been so weird of of kind of how it's well how it stopped in March time that who knows what would have happened, who knows where we would have been, and and who knows where we still might be. So it's um it's exciting because we may we may be able to have a playoff situation or play so many games or not even play a game and and have a chance to go to the championship, which is incredible. Yeah, it seems that. I'm hearing new things every day about what the EFL are going to decide to do with the League One season. At first, it was just weighted points per game, which, of course, would leave us hanging a little bit dry. Then it was points per game, which would leave us finishing third and getting promotion. But now it's the talk of this playoffs coming in place um, with um, going from points per game. So Wickham would be third and potentially matched up with Fleetwood in the playoffs. Is the squad ready for playoffs, do you think, Like if it does restart behind closed doors? Yeah, we. I mean, we've we've had a couple of chats with the gaffer, and and Blooms is obviously in on a lot of the meetings and things like that. And we we obviously want to know what's going on. I think today even they they released a statement, and the statement was just we're going to have a vote in next week or the week after. And there's not. And it feels like it's been about ten votes already, doesn't it? Yeah, I I don't know what's taking so long. It's not not my decision. Obviously, there's a lot of clubs who kind of feel aggrieved by the by finishing the season and are trying to come up with their own solutions, which is. You know, fine. They're obviously going to do that to try and protect themselves, which, of course, would happen. And and it's just it's quite nice seeing that Wickham haven't said anything really and and just kept quiet. And we spoke to the gaffer, and, and gaffer said, look, be ready for ten games, and if not, be ready for four games or three games or two games, whatever it is. And if not, just make sure we're ready for everything. And and I spoke to the boys, and you know, a few of us have talked and. And put messages in the group and just be like, look, whatever situation comes about, we're ready for it. We've got no excuses that, you know, we feel hard done by by having to play 10 more games. You know, we're in this position because we've given ourselves an opportunity to to get promoted. And let's make sure that we do everything we can from now until June, July, August, whenever that may be to kind of finish what we wanted to do. And and if that if we can't and then it's not our problem and we're not going to be the ones going mad about it. But if we can, then then let's give ourselves every opportunity to kind of do that. Yeah, I think that's definitely the best way to go. Just make sure you're ready for whatever situation arises. And finally, I'm sure I'm sure you have considered this at some point at all. If you're playing regular championship football next season 
and um, you get a knock from Ryan Giggs to come up and potentially play for the senior team. How proud would you be? Well, it's, it's always been a dream of mine to, to do it. I've, <clears throat> I've never managed to get on a pitch. I was very close. Um, I was a sub for two games. Um, how long ago was that? 12 years ago, whatever that was. Um, so, yeah, it's something that I've never... Not that I've not given up on it. I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't thought it was a realistic... Uh, a realistic thing for me the last seven or eight years and, and not something that I've kind of thought I should be in the squad or anything like that they've got some great players in my position that are playing week in week out in the Premier League so um, I've got no complaints about that but you know it's, it's something that will always be a dream and if there's ever an opportunity I'd, I'd love to, to get involved again and um, I actually had tickets this summer for the Euros to fly out there and be a fan because um, I'm still a big avid Welsh supporter in, in football and rugby and whatever else we do so um, yeah it's um, something that I'd always love to do but you know it's not something that I'm ever thinking is going to happen again but yeah we'll never say never. Yeah well I was half expecting um, to hear to see something this season after all the great performances obviously if Neil Taylor or um, Ben Davis pick up an injury or get a suspension then who knows but anyway that's that's um definitely got to be the dream, and why not? Why not dream? Like it's it's exactly, without, yeah. it's definitely possible. Exactly. Yeah, and while I'm still playing, yeah, that will always be a dream. So, um, yeah, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And you know, I'm I'm proud to have played in under 21s. I'm proud to have been in a couple of squads, and and to play with some of the players I've played with is has been incredible. And you know, I've got caps at home, my parents' house from from those times. So, um, yeah. I've worn the jersey, worn the Welsh jersey with pride, and and you know if that was to happen again, it, I'd be ecstatic. But it's not something that I'm kind of you know holding my breath for. Let's say. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world, and I think it's been going 90 minutes. We've got a few questions on Twitter, but I don't want to make this too long. So, that's would fine. you be happy to wrap up there? Uh, yeah, if you've got questions, that's fine. I'm, I've got some time. If you need Are you sure? Oh, I'll just get tackle some Twitter questions. I don't want to go. We're going for 90 minutes. So I don't want to take your whole day away from you or anything, <laughs> but. I appreciate the time. Um, are you um you're quite big on Twitter, aren't you? Like I see that you're fairly active, like voicing a few opinions on mainly TV box sets recently. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we've got from Don Bingham. What's been your favourite goal you scored for Wickham? Um, so Wembley own goal my goal whatever it was was um was pretty special i think that's the most the most nuts i've gone um after scoring a goal ever um which was pretty special to score that occasion you know the free kick was well it was probably a centimeter away from being the perfect free kick um yeah yeah it was just the whole occasion of, of scoring there and having all my friends and family there i'd say that was even though it wasn't given to me that's still my favorite goal i'd say so um, we've got two questions linked to the hat-trick against Lincoln and I'm going to sort of spin this another one. When you um, score directly from a corner, are you, you are you shooting or you just sort of put it in the mix? So we we work a lot on set pieces and Dobber will always have a meeting on a Friday and Dobber will go through the opposition, how their strengths are, their weaknesses and, and sometimes he'll say, you know, get it away from the keeper because he's massive, he'll come and collect everything. If we were playing against Jamal Blackman, for instance, he'll say, don't put the ball near him because he'll just come and collect everything. Whereas sometimes he'll say, you know, put it on top of the keeper. They've they've made a few mistakes recently or cause a bit of a melee. In that game, I remember him saying, you know, put it on top of the keeper. 
and shoot a goal really you know I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to score a goal but I'm put, trying to put it there that if everyone missed it, it goes in or someone's got a tap in or an own goal or anything like that so um, the first goal shows exactly that that there's just a yeah. melee I think the, the two the Fleetwood one season four and the Blackpool one last season as well where they just you know if the goalkeeper just stood there and he would have picked up all three but because of all the melee and we get players in the right positions and you've got Bayo there who takes yeah. you know four people to try and mark and <laughs> things like that. If, even if you look at the first Lincoln one, there's about five players on the floor in front of the front post. It's carnage, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And and we, stuff that we kind of work on. So, um, yeah, and once, once the first one went in, I remember the second one, I was stepping up and all, I could hear all the fans behind the goal just shouting, shoot, shoot. <laughs> and um, I, not... I just did the same thing, tried to put it on top of the keeper and luckily kind of misjudged it and it flew in the in far corner and I just turned around to him and was like, there you go, done. <laughs> no, it looked like, a, looked like a perfect sort of shot cross, really. Yeah, um, yeah. If you could sign one player for Wickham, who would it be and why? I'm going to guess not Andy Robertson. Yeah, yeah. Not, not him, yeah, because that would be my career would be done. <laughs> um, oh. Who would you sign? Do you know what? Or I'd go and sign again. It would be um, would be Ebbs. You, you, obviously, people talk about Ronaldo and Messi yeah. and like that, but I don't know if, how what their attitude would be like coming to play for Wickham. But someone who who we played with and and stuff is is Ebbs, um, and he was just ridiculous. And if he's not playing for a top six Premier League team within the next two years, I'll be very surprised. I think he's that good that he's. He's one of the best players I've ever played played with. He reminds me a lot. I played with Aaron Ramsey when he was really young, and yeah. it reminds me a lot of him. The way they dribble, the way they they see passes, the way they finish, and he's got that confidence and that arrogance about him that on the pitch that he he just believes he can do anything. And and he's such a nice guy as well, such a nice, humble, down to earth. You know, whenever I do stuff, he's always messaging me on Instagram saying like, "Well done," or "I've seen you do this, seen you do that." So. He's, um, yeah, I think uh, most of the boys would be happy signing him, that's for sure. I think that's sort of down to where he's come from, isn't it? He's working in Tesco, not until too recently when he was at the Millwall Academy, then the QPR Academy. So he's sort of like, he's had like the, he knows like he's, like the situation he's in and he's lucky to be where he is and it doesn't stop him from working hard. And obviously he's very likely to go right to the very top. Um, One question now from Duncan Evans which we've sort of touched on already, but how much has Gareth Ainsworth improved your game at Wickham, like, personally? He, so, what I always say about this is that the gap has kind of simplified my game a lot. Um, he's, he's, rather than asking me to do too many things, and this is the same with everyone, he, rather, you know, he makes, tries to make the game as simple as possible so that we can all kind of do the basics right. And if we get the basics right as and do them as well as we can then we'll be hard to beat we should create chances and and win games and for me he's just he's just said you know don't try too much at the back try and kind of you know play forward a lot of the time and and you know if I've got if we've got Bayo in the team use him he's, he's helped me a lot with that um but also defensively and um he's given me little tips because he was obviously I've actually played against the gaffer and I found him really tough to play against when I was at Oldham um I yeah. actually got slaughtered because he ran past me and they, they, he crossed the ball and he scored who was he playing for QPR no he's at Wickham oh oh yeah of course yeah yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I remember a manager coming in going he's back and 40 years old and he's running <laughs> past you and, and, like, oh. and then yeah so 
he's just told me a way of kind of helping myself defend against this and it's it's helped me a lot last season there was a couple of times where where certain players would would get the better of me and, and I played against him this season and dealt with him a lot better and and um he's kind of helped me a lot with that so I'd say just simplifying my game using my strengths more than anything else and um and yeah it's it's allowed me to kind of still be playing at 33 and, and probably playing some of the best football I've ever played yeah definitely um yeah, but I, I'm I'm happy to end it there if you are. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah, thanks a lot. Pat. No, really, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been I've really enjoyed it, and the, the 90 minutes we've been going has absolutely flown by. So I'm absolutely delighted with that. Thank you very much for coming on, Joe. No worries. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Right. I cannot say how much of a pleasure that was to interview one of my favourite players and one of my footballing icons. Joe's been one of my favourite players since he signed for Wickham in 2014 and to get the chance to sit down and talk to him for just under two hours is absolutely brilliant. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast as much as I did recording it and please subscribe to the League One Lowdown Spotify page and follow us on Twitter if you're interested in seeing more of these sort of interviews. Also, please don't be shy if you want to request any guests that we can get on. We're ambitious and we want to try and get on as many good people as possible. So if there's someone you're desperate for myself, Joe, or Matt to interview, then please just shout us a request and we'll do our best to get them on. Thank you. Cheers.